Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 430. On this episode, we'll be talking about Comic-Con 2022 and everything that uh, my guest this week uh, did while they were there. Uh, As always, you can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 430. I'm Jason, the TVaholic from tvaholic.com. I'm Kyle from noreruns.net. And I'm Paul from How to Watch TV. Well, thank you, Kyle and Paul, for uh, joining me on episode 430. Good to be here. Yep, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a... it should be interesting. It's been a little while since I've recorded an episode, so hopefully, hopefully, I remember <laughs> how to do it, and what we're doing. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, Comic Con 2022 was just uh, last week as we're recording this, and uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go this year. But uh, Kyle and Paul uh, both were able to attend and. Uh, Paul uh, was attending as uh, press for TV Times 3, so we thought we'd record a little episode and talk about some of the stuff uh, that they did and saw uh, while there. So we'll just uh, jump right into that and start off with, uh, for each of you, what uh, were your favorite panels and or press rooms that you attended each day? We'll start with you, Kyle. Uh, so I this was actually a really light year for panels and press rooms. I only did eight press rooms, where normally I'd do at least twice that. Or like eight um, a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I only did like two to three a day and one on the last day. And then um, panels, I only went to five of them. So it was mainly activations and things that I did this year. But um, for Thursday, uh, the only panel I attended was the Rookie and the Rookie Feds, which they had told us ahead of time that uh, that the main stars weren't going to be there. Um, but they didn't tell the audience <laughs> until the day it <laughs> happened. And that didn't go over too well with the audience when they said, and eh, Nathan Villian's going to be joining us through satellite. And so, yeah, there were people booing and um, that didn't really go over too well. Yeah, I was also in the audience, and uh, they they really did not like that. <laughs> they were shouting back to the moderator, and some people got up and left, actually. I mean, I thought the panel itself was kind of entertaining, and once it got going and you forgot that they they weren't live on the stage, I mean, it was still an entertaining panel, but, um, but it was disappointing, for, especially if someone had given up going to a different room because they thought they were going to see Nathan Fillion live on the stage, but... <laughs> Was he the only one that wasn't there? Was there anybody that was no, there? No, the entire panel. So the only person on the stage was the moderator. So uh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that had to have been interesting to just be standing on, on the stage by yourself, interviewing people that are on screen. And also giving the bad news to the audience. <laughs> and taking, <laughs> yeah. <front> of that. <laughs> he became the evil bad guy uh, on the stage. <laughs> and it also took a, a minute or two for them to get the feed up and running. So there was this like awkward dead silence while everyone was like disappointed at Damien. <laughs> um, but for me, um, I was attending mostly, uh, I wasn't doing any press rooms at all this comic con. I was only doing panels and activations and parties. Um, so, but on, on Thursday for my favorite uh, panel was the severance panel. 
uh, from Apple TV Plus. So, uh, yeah, the whole cast was there. And I think it was their first time at Comic-Con for many of them. And uh, this was in Ballroom 20, which I think seats around 4,500 people. And um, by the time it, this was towards the end of the day, the severance panel had filled the room. So they were quite um, uh, blown away by the reception they got uh, when when the cast came out on stage. It was was pretty good. Yeah, the only press rooms I did on Thursday, I did Vampire Academy, uh, which should please the the whole people who love those vampire TV shows. It's it's more the same. Um, and then there was also one for Solar Opposites and Koala Man, which is some upcoming uh, animated show. The the one thing I found interesting about the Solar Opposites that that room had um, the guy who plays Adam on the Goldbergs, and I was surprised at how similar he is in real life to Adam on the Goldbergs. <laughs> like the whole like stuttering, nervous type of thing, all him. It is no acting involved whatsoever. <laughs> so it was like we were talking to Adam from the Goldbergs while we were talking to them. That's cool. On Friday, um, the my, my I think my favorite panel on Friday that I attended was uh, For All Mankind. Um, that was from also again Apple TV Plus, and it had the entire cast. There had to be like twenty people up on the stage. They had well, because For All Mankind has a huge cast to start with, but I think they had everybody there, and uh, Ronald D. Moore, one of the showrunners. Um, it was just a really great panel, and uh, there were people dressed in costumes, and um, it it was just you, you know they were just talking about the show, and it was a really great, really great panel. So one of the press rooms I had done on Friday was for Paper Girls, and we talked to Nate Cordry there. And one of the things that came up was his name on both shows is Larry. So he's he's playing Larry these days. I guess apparently <laughs> before that, he played two characters by the same name for the previous two things that he worked on. But uh, so when we were talking to him, I think it was Amory that said, and how about your other Larry character? Because it started off, of course, talking about For All Mankind, even though it was the the paper girls press room uh people were fans so then we switched back to paper girls but i did attend five minutes of the paper girls panel before i had to rush off to the press room because i had joined the barroom 20 line super late and then uh barely got into the room before i had to leave but i mean paper girls is definitely that starts up uh, i think next week on on prime video and it's definitely worth watching it's like a show about these paper girls that are in the 80s and there's something that happens that they get transported to 2019 and have to try to get their way back to uh, the past. Yeah, I think it's important to point out that paper girls, uh, when, when it's called paper girls, we mean newspaper delivery girls because a lot of people that I was speaking to didn't know. Like I was like, it's like paper boys, but with girls, they didn't quite understand what paper girls <laughs> was because we're so used to hearing paper boys as a term, but never paper yeah. girls. So, um, yes, yeah, uh, stop motion animation with little paper girls that are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, the name threw me off too until I started watching it. And then I saw them riding their bikes, delivering papers. Like, Oh, that's why it's called paper girls. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Um, 
So on Saturday, I decided to do the Hall H experience for the entire day, which included uh, panels from DC uh, talking about Shazam and uh, Black Adam. And then HBO did a panel for House of the Dragon. And then Star Trek Universe had a panel. And then Netflix had Sandman. And then there was a big Marvel Studios panel announcing uh, all the films. I decided to sit in Hall H all day for that. Um but in terms of my favorite, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, just because of the hype of it all, uh, everyone in the room was waiting for Marvel Studios. It was at the end of the day, and there was Kevin Feige on stage and a whole bunch of casts from all the various movies and properties that Marvel has for their films uh, and, and their TV shows as well come out. And they come out and say hello for five minutes and maybe get a, a question in. And then it's like goodbye and on to the next Marvel property. <laughs> I, I, it, it's Bob, yeah, it, it, it seems a little ridiculous that they spend so much money flying these entire casts out just to say hello and then send them on their way. Um, yeah, it seems a little like wasteful almost. <laughs> but I mean, it works. People were waiting in that room all day just for Marvel. Um which is, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a good thing because uh, panels that have huge fan bases like Star Trek Universe, for example, may have like less uh, rabid fans, I'll say, but still could fill Hall H easily, I, I'd argue. But they weren't able to because all the Marvel people got in there first because they're, those are the <laughs> ones willing to wait in line for 20 hours to get in like I did. So... <sighs> Yeah, for me, the only panel I went to was for the Sandman, and that was because I was doing the press room for that. Um, and then the the other press rooms I did that day were American Dad and the Orville. One common theme for some of these like existing shows is the main uh, cast didn't show up for the panels. So it was like, like for American Dad, it was the guy who plays the fish and the guy that plays like the daughter's husband. So it's like. <laughs> There's not a, like the you don't get your Seth uh, McFarlane there. You don't get um, the redhead guy from both American Dad and the Orville. He wasn't there. Scott Grimes, although I think he was probably at the panel, but he for some reason he wasn't at either press room. Um, but I mean, I, I found those press rooms entertaining. And then the Sandman did have the, a huge number of cast people. So I got to talk with Gwendolyn Christie and um, Jenna Coleman and people like that and Neil Gaiman. So, I mean, that was probably my favorite press room just because of the caliber people we got to talk with. Um, but the other ones were, were probably more fun and entertaining. Yeah, I would say um, some of the people I was sitting with in Hall H during the Sandman panel uh, were a little confused. They were interested in the property and open to the idea of liking the property, but um based on how the the panel was conducted they were just a little confused as to um well i guess it falls into this 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 problem that a lot of these shows have is no one's seen it yet so it's really hard to promote and talk about it um in a way that would psych an audience up um they saved the trailer for the very end of the panel uh which I think was probably a mistake. They should have shown the trailer at the beginning of the panel, and that probably would have uh, wet the appetite and excited the uh, the audience a little bit more. Uh, instead, they showed a bunch of uh, random clips <laughs> from the first few episodes. 
uh, with no explanation almost. So a lot of people were really confused at what they were looking at, unless you had read the. So if you didn't have any, yeah, if you didn't have any idea of what it was, you you would still have no idea what it was. Oh, even after the press room, I don't really have a good idea of of what the show. I mean, most of the panel they spent talking about how each person was cast. I'd say they spent at least half of the panel just on that, talking about how each of the people on the panel was cast in the show. Yeah, and I, I I will say, I have read, in preparation for Comic-Con this year, I did read the first 12 or 13 issues or so of Sandman, of the original run from the late 80s. And based on those few issues, I can just look at the cast and, and say that they have, in fact, nailed the casting. Just like looking at Dream and um, Desire and Death, the, the Endless Siblings. Um, yeah, they, they definitely did a, a great job on casting, I think. Um so it's, you know, I, I, I like that aspect of it. That was the first thing I, I, when I saw the panel, I was like, oh, they nailed the casting. Like, uh, the Sandman dream or Morpheus looks exactly like how he does in, in, in the comic book. So, um, you know, that was great. Well, that's always good for those uh, people that actually have some uh contact with the original property or whatever it's a because those are going to be your biggest complainers if you do something wrong well they did cast jenna coleman as joanna constantine instead of john constantine uh so we'll see how that change goes over with people but we'll see yeah i mean i that's a that change doesn't bother me so much um. Yeah, like I could. I, from what I could tell, it's well, it's so it's so hard to tell based on what they showed us. I couldn't see any changes really, aside from that, that I was really um even concerned about. They showed a scene uh, where Dream is talking to his sister who is deaf, and uh, it was like it was almost like it was lifted from the comic books. I had just read that scene in the comic books uh, a few days before. And I was like, oh, they just like adapted it literally. <laughs> like they're sitting on a bench <laughs> in the comic and they're sitting on a bench in the TV show, you know? So it was great. Um, I was like, I instantly knew what I was looking at when they showed that scene. So it was kind of funny. Um, and well, it's always good. You can use that as like the comic was the storyboard for the uh, live action. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, then on Sunday, um, I, I did one press room, which was for I Hear Voices with Will Friedel and Christy Carlson Romano, which is they basically have a podcast where they interview uh, people, that voiceover artists who do uh, the voices for cartoons and movies and video games. Um, so that was an entertaining. It was basically a live version of their podcast, uh, which they recorded to have as a podcast, although part of the thing that they do with these at these panels is they put images up on the screen and have people provide voices for them, which that doesn't really translate at all to a podcast. <laughs> Cause how is the person <laughs> listening to the podcast supposed to know what this character looks like that they're trying to voice? But uh, I mean, they've done it before for another episode of their podcast. Um, but that was, that was entertaining. And then I, 
I also went to that panel beforehand, and then I stuck around for the What We Do in the Shadows and the Funko Pop Talk Live, which the Funko Pop Talk Live, besides getting free Funkos at the end, that's the main reason why I went to that. <laughs> but they did have William Zadka on that from uh, from Karate uh, from Cobra Kai. And one thing I loved was they asked basically each of the three guests, what do you collect? And his response was, I collect second place trophies. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on this whole spiel about how this year Eagle Fane's going to make it and do all this other stuff. And so he was entertaining on that panel. The hosts were abysmal, but uh, yeah, but he was he was really and they also brought out Fluffy to do this horrible like uh transition between the guests and it was just so forced and not funny at all but uh but i mean the pops made up for it at the end uh, sitting through the uh sitting through that panel it is definitely uh, i think my favorite panel that day on sunday was uh what we do in the shadows they had the uh full cast aside from the the actors who played nadra and nandor um and so they were they were there, and it was a really great, really great panel. Oh, and we got to see a screening of the next episode as well to everybody in Hall H, so that was uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was a fun panel. You know, just a pretty typical panel where they talk about uh, what's going on in the show and, um, you know, questions. Audience questions are always, like, a really fun thing that they do sometimes when they're... Um, because when you're sitting far back in Hall H, you, you have no idea who's going to appear on screen and ask a question. And so you you see all sorts of people getting up to ask questions of the panel. So it's always really fun to, to see who's going to appear. Usually, I, I would say 90% of the time, the people asking questions at panels are, are in some sort of costume. Um, so it's always really fun to see that as well. Yeah, they did have one group that was dressed up like Nadia and, uh, and uh, what's his name? The husband. Um, uh, Laszlo. Yes, and they yes. they came up and and did a like a little spiel before their question. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was that was the end of the panels, I guess, on on Sunday. Yeah. So so panel wise, uh, what was? I mean, we can uh, we'll talk about your uh, Hall H. Line stuff in the at the end, but but sure. overall, what was the what was the crowds like and the the lines like for like ballroom twenty and things like that this year? Um, well, uh, light, definitely lighter. If I had to guess, it would probably be twenty to thirty percent lighter than usual. Um, at any given, aside from Saturday Hall H, you could basically walk into any ballroom twenty panel or any Hall H panel. Um, I, I even heard stories on Twitter that you could walk in right into the Lord of the Rings panel that was going on in Hall H. I believe that was on Friday. Um, you could walk right in. There was there was no line for it. Like they, it didn't even fill Hall H. So that was kind of surprising. I I think a lot of people had expected that because of they weren't selling um, tickets, uh, reselling old tickets for people who had canceled or uh, who weren't coming to Comic Con, and I think that was probably a good idea just based on what I'm seeing in terms of how many people have gotten COVID as a result of having gone uh, to Comic-Con. Um, but yeah, I, it's definitely a lighter year. Uh, same thing on um, the exhibit floor. Uh, there just wasn't, it wasn't shoulder to shoulder like it is in, in other years. So 
Yeah, um, I saw some videos of uh, <laughs> of the floor, and it seemed quite spacious for being able to walk around at times. I mean, I, I would say it still felt packed, but it wasn't like you had to, you were like being pushed by other people and shoulder oh, yeah, to shoulder. Uh, there's times where you end up, it's sort of like popping, it's sort of like falling into a river. You just ended up in this flow of people and you're like, how do I get out? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to go this direction. Yeah, there wasn't any of that from what I could see. Well, year. they also didn't have like the big WB booths, so there weren't like autograph signings. Like big autograph signings, at least not many autograph signings on the floor, which that's usually what causes a whole bunch of uh, traffic problems because yeah. you get everyone trying to look at those mm-hmm. um, and create extra <laughs> extra lines just to look at those. And I did hear there was a mess uh, with there wasn't on the floor signing by Ozzy Osbourne. And apparently that had created uh, quite a traffic jam um, when that was going on. But uh, I was not there to see that. I just heard about it after. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on to uh, the uh, outside activations. And uh, so, Paul, we'll start with you this time. What uh, what activations did you check out each day and uh, what ended up being your favorite? Okay. Well, um, I, I think Wednesday, Kyle and I saw the boat, uh, the same ones. Uh, we saw Gray Man, which was by Netflix. They were promoting the new movie, The Gray Man, uh, starring, I guess, Ryan Gosling, Anna Darmus, and um, Chris Evans. And that was a really cool activation. It was basically like an escape room meets an obstacle course uh, kind of experience. Um, and that was really cool. Um, and then there was this interactive, I guess it wasn't interactive, element but there's this uh thing you have to do at the end when you run across the uh the top of a of a trolley car and uh they they record that footage of you doing that and then they they cut you into the into the trailer of the gray man as if it's like you're running uh like you're in the trailer for the gray man (laughs) i don't know it's okay i watched the i watched the movie the other day and they cut us out of it i can't believe that (laughs) yeah i can't believe i saw that scene and we weren't in it I couldn't believe uh, it. <laughs> man, uh, ended up on the cutting room floor again. Oh, no. Because <laughs> they yeah. did it in pairs, so we ended up in the video together um, running across the uh, the trolley. Yeah, it, it was good. Uh, I would say it, it was a good uh, activation. I, I'm not sure I would wait a very long time for it. But uh, it was definitely worth doing when you didn't, if you didn't have to wait uh, a very long time for it. So I, I don't know what the waits were like for the rest of the con. Uh, we only saw it uh, on preview night, so uh, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the waits would have been like for that uh, during the normal run of the convention. So yeah, and then the other thing we did on Wednesday night, uh, they had something for House of the Dragon, which was it started off. You wait in line, and these in-character people were interacting with the line. So we had a couple of like knights who were interacting with us, and like people were asking them what house they're from, and they were joking like, "Oh, I'm, I'm the house of the brown brown soup or whatever it was, like a brown bowl," and like, uh, and then they're like, they're just making fun of us, like they're these poor knights and everyone's asking them like everyone's asking us if we were Lannisters or uh, sorry if we were uh, Targaryens and then we said we weren't Targaryens the guy's like right not Targaryens winking his eye at us and like uh, 
And so that that carried on throughout because once we got into the main courtyard, you then went into this courtyard where you spent about 10 minutes interacting with all these people. They had someone that had like a, a spice tent, somebody that had a um, an armor like they were selling weapons and another woman selling rugs. And so we interacted with all those people in character. There was another woman uh, walking around asking if anyone wanted her to sing them a song. And so it was like this nice interactive thing with all the uh, all these people in character. And, and I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I have to say, the accents of all the people were right on. They were like. I, I'm British, and so I could tell like if the British accents were, were good or not, and they seemed to be pretty okay. But the thing that astounded me the most was the woman who was selling spices was saying she was from Dorne, and she had nailed the Dornish accent from the show, where I was like, oh, it sounds like you're actually from the Dorne, like, from the Dorne that was on the show. Like, So I think she had done a really good job there, because um, that accent was sounded pretty accurate to what I remember from the TV show. So... Yeah, and then once we we entered entered the Red Keep, then they had you go through this whole thing where you're selecting a dragon egg and then putting it in this volcanic rock so that it can hatch, and eventually you end up out at the um, out at the the Iron Throne, so you can do your photo op at the Iron Throne. Although they did have people on like the, these medieval instruments playing the Game of Thrones theme, which was pretty cool. Like I was like, that music sounds very familiar, and it was like this guy with a cranked up, like I don't know what kind of instruments these were. One had a crank, and the other one was almost like a um, like a violin or something. But uh, so then after we exited that, they gave you like a like a dragon eye pin or something, and we could unlock their app a few days early. To it's basically like a tamagotchi, but it's like a you have your own dragon egg that you're that you're raising and, uh, yeah. And then, um, on Thursday, um, I did the, uh, after I got out early. And so by myself, I went and did the FX activation, which, uh, was covering my MC, uh, Mayans MC, I should say, uh, what we do in the shadows and American horror stories. And so that was, for the most part, a pretty creepy activation, but it was outside, and um, it was basically like a hedge maze that you walk through, something like what you would see in in The Shining. Um, And there's all sorts of, like, doll parts and dolls hanging in the hedge and all sorts of jump scares, things jumping out at you. Um, Bushes coming to life. Bushes coming to life. Um, Creepy, just generally creepy people in character, and uh, life-size uh, dolls, which were, you know, human dolls that uh, people painted as dolls, I should say, uh, were, you know, just generally sort of giving you a creepy vibe. And then that kind of culminated in um, waiting in line to get into Nadja's Vampire Nightclub from What We Do in the Shadows, which was a 360-degree camera experience when you're, you're dancing, there's a DJ, and then you stand in the circle and this phone flips around you as you're dancing and then it gets emailed to you after um and then you post it for everyone to make fun of you (laughs) at your mad dance skills yeah it was (laughs) it was awful (laughs) i I had to i had to edit i had to edit mine down because i was like why why does anyone want to see the back of them dancing nobody i just posted my whole video it's embarrassing but it's yeah uh, um 
And the the at the end you did end up at you end up something for the little devil, which is some other show that's coming up that oh, and I... you basically spun a roulette wheel and you ended up getting like a a bottle of hot sauce with the little devil logo on it. That's right, I had forgotten about that, yes. Uh, so on Thursday, I had also gone over to see the ghosts for ghosts, uh, the CBS sitcom. They had a Pete's friend zone. So they've been doing this thing all summer long where they each character has their own activation in some state uh, across the U.S. And so they decided to do Pete for um, for San Diego Comic-Con. And so basically what they built was this little um, area with tents and they had like a, um, a place where you could practice archery because in the show, Pete's the one that got the arrow through the neck. Uh, he was like the 1980s scout leader who got a arrow through the neck that killed him. So um, they had all different stations within there. They had like a photo op that you could get that you could do some archery. They had some drinks in there. Um, they had palm readers and tarot readers and things like that that you could do. So it was like a little interactive um, sort of village out of tents. And they made it look like a like a campsite. Um, since we had press, we just got to jump right through. And they also just gave us all the swag. And we didn't have to, because you had to like go to these various stations and get merit badges and then trade those in for the swag. And so we got, we got to skip that stuff, which was nice. <laughs> Um, and then also on Straight Thursday morning, the swag always good. Exactly, that's all you yeah. want. <laughs> yeah. And also on Thursday morning, uh, Paul and I had gone. They had like these things for the Bob's Burgers movie and Doctor Strange movie because those hit uh, hit DVD this week. And so for the Doctor Strange, they had like for the pizza or pizza papa, they had like a whack a mole type of thing where you're trying to knock. Um, uh, what's his name's face uh, as it pops up from the from the uh, from the whack-a-mole game uh, and then for Bob's Burgers they had like a Lucky Ducks game where you could try to match two ducks and win various prizes mm-hmm. and there was a few photo ops as well so you could take your picture with Bob at um, I guess it's a burger stand a, bur- a burger truck and um, there was also a, a sinkhole photo op you could take as well well, some of us got in trouble for going to those photo ops a little early. <laughs> a little early, open. right? But uh, but we and got then, our photos. That's all. That, right. I mean, they got their photos. That's all that mattered. Right. And later on that night, uh, Kyle and I both attended the Dungeons and Dragons Tavern experience, which was promoting the Dungeons and Dragons movie with um, Hugh Grant and Chris Pine and a few other people. Um, so that was I, I. Basically, what this was, it was a, a bar. I, well, I'm going to assume it was a bar somewhere offsite in in San Diego. And uh, once you went in, it was just made to look like a, a tavern from the Dungeons and Dragons world. And there were um, you were served a complimentary drink, uh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, um, that lit up green. And um, there was uh, basically this immersive sort of experience with all these. Uh, screens around showing I, I guess I'd say dragon a dragon landing on top of the tavern I guess is is what that experience was and there were also some photo ops you could do as well taking your picture inside of a gelatinous cube but we didn't uh, get a chance to to do that but yeah so that was the Dungeon Dragons Tavern experience we entered a little late so I think the experience for us was a little bit shorter than it should have been we were probably only in there about 
10 minutes or so. <laughs> right. Yeah, we got, we got rushed because they're saying, oh, they're starting. Hurry up, get down there. And then they're like, get some drinks, get some drinks. Because you only had like five minutes to drink your drink. And like at the end, they're like, chug it down. You got to go. And like, but they're saying it nice, but in character. But that was the uh, the gist of what they were saying. Yeah, I think they they should have held us back and be, let us be the first of the of the next group rather than the last of the the, the previous group. Um, I will say the one thing that everyone seems to be agreeing upon with the Dungeons and Dragons Tavern experience was how well run the crowds and the lines outside were. Um, it seems a lot of people really enjoyed how quickly they got in. Um, and how uh, well managed uh, the lines were. The the person managing the lines outside straight up just told us, if it's not time for your reservation, come back. Come back at this time, and we'll be able to accommodate you. And she was right. Uh, we came back at that time, and we walked right in. So, um, yeah. I yeah, think so, I'll... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to jump to Friday. Do you, do you have yeah, go. No, no, go, go for okay, it. Okay, so Friday morning, uh, they had like a press preview of the Abbott Elementary uh, activation. So basically, Disney had two different activations that were sorted together. There was one for Abbott Elementary and one for the Disney bundle. But the element, Abbott Elementary one we did first. And so basically, while we were waiting, they had someone um, like a cross, dressed as a crossing guard, bring us around outside uh, in front of the activation and then to the back where it looked like you were entering the school. So first they took like a 360 photo of us in front of the school bus and then we walked inside and everything was made up to look like classrooms uh, of, of for the school. So we took like a personality quiz to see which of the teachers that we were most like. I got Gregory. I think Amory also got Gregory. Uh, so they gave us a sticker that says, like, I'm with Gregory, which we, we used later. Um I'll get to that. So then we we just kept on going through various classrooms. And we also got our, um, like, a school ID taken because it was basically like new teacher orientation. So we were supposed to be new teachers coming to the school. So we got our, our badge for the school. Uh, they took our photo and put it on the badge. Um, and then we also uh, uh, figured out which teacher we were like to try to be more like that teacher. And then we entered into the gym where they gave us like a Abbott step bag, some buttons. And then, um, and then there was also a table where we could go pick up a water bottle, which basically they stuck your, I'm with whoever teacher sticker on your water bottle. And then they gave us a Twinkie for some reason. And then we were told just to sit in the bleachers, uh, at the thing, because then they put on a whole Abbott step, performance so these people these students came out and did this whole like dance routine they're trying to um to get people to audition for their step team and of course amory's like you should go kyle you should go kyle and like no <laughs> like not a chance no nobody auditioned for this step team because nobody had uh, any faith in their their dance skills i had I had done the FX uh, Nadia <laughs> thing, and I, I knew I was not up. up You'd done that. your dancing for the con. That was that was my 100% dancing, was just waving my arms. This actually involves skill for the Abbott step team. Um, so, yeah, once we did that, then we just basically walked across the hall, and they had this thing for, like, the Disney Bundle Works, which was basically... A whole bunch of like games like they had like a first they had you do this thing where all these pipes were 
there were all these pipes and connections and you they basically asked you what you had as far as the Disney services like Hulu, Disney Plus and and uh, ESPN Plus and then they adjusted some of the connections and then you put a ball through and it came out at some place where they would give you a coupon to help you save on your bundle <laughs> but then after that you were just playing games like uh like a ring toss a slingshot uh plinko and a big like a basically a showcase showdown wheel you're spinning all those to get tickets which then you could cash in for various prizes uh so they they gave us a ticket when we walked in that was good for like a a lunchbox and then you could use the tickets for other stuff so i got a couple mugs and there were other various random things you could get uh, and then when we we're leaving that they had free slushies you could grab so i grabbed one of those for paul when we the <laughs> next thing uh, but that was pretty much my activations for friday right and then for I didn't really do any activations on Saturday because I was in Hall H all day. There was a party that we attended uh, later that night, but we're going to get to that a bit later. I will say on Sunday, and I, I believe Kyle did this Saturday, it was the Severance activation, which I, if I had to guess, was probably the most well-done activation of all of them that I attended. Um, as far as content, <laughs> as far as, as, as the as line far, and scheduling. Yes, yeah, in terms, of, in, terms, in terms of content, the experience itself was probably the best, uh, the best activation. But, um, so basically that activation was about, uh, you were opting, it was employee orientation for the Lumen Company, which is from the Severance TV show. And the whole premise is that you're separating your, uh, at work memories and life from your at home memories and life. So you're going through this um, sort of immersive walkthrough of a whole bunch of set pieces like the I, from the TV show, like the the conference room and the the painting room and all the characters were um, in in character, uh, similar characters to those in found in the TV show. So that was really fun. And yeah, it was kind of, it was, I, I think it was the the best one. It looked just like you were on the set. Um, like, well, it helped that they had all the real props from the set. Yeah, yeah. It, they, said during, <laughs> they said during the panel that it was like 75% uh, stuff from the actual show. <laughs> so, and the computers where you were doing the, the macro data refinement were actually working computers that you could go and play around with the data like they do in the TV show. So, that was uh, interesting as well. And it, it's such an odd world um, that they've created for the show to be. And so to be immersed in it was was quite something because it's so strange. Um, we In my group that we went in, um, the founder of the company is a guy named Kier Egan, it, like fictionally. And uh, when we're listening to the opening, uh, the opening remarks of the experience, for whatever reason, my entire group decided to answer that with praise cure, which is like the the refrain that you would say, the call and response kind of thing that you would say anytime anybody does anything good in the company. And I think we freaked the actor out a little bit because we were just a, a little bit too into it that my entire group of 12 people said praise Kier, um, like without having been prompted to say that. So uh, he was definitely taken aback when he entered the room as we were saying praise gear because uh, uh, I don't think he had heard that much uh, unprompted. So 
I was just impressed at all like the small details that they worked in, like like while we're walking around, they're just handing out random like finger traps and erasers and things as incentives, which is all from the show. But it was just weird. Like they they looked at every little tiny detail. At one point you're walking by some room and you see a goat shadow <laughs> behind the door. And it's like all these like tiny things from the show that they worked in throughout the experience. Yes. Another thing was they gave us a token uh, that we were able to spend in a vending machine and the vending machine contained uh, the same two options as in the, in, in the TV show, which was uh, shriveled raisins or buttered pretzels. <laughs> and so uh, I chose shriveled raisins as my, as my snack. Um, I went for the buttered pretzels. Okay. And then, oh. and then, like at the end, we end up in like this little office area, and I could see like the music cart in the corner, like from the from the show. I even asked the guy, "So are we going to have some music?" He's like, "If we hit our numbers and get past seventy percent, then we can have a music celebration." And sure enough, later, like as we were doing things, all of a sudden the lights in the in the room started flashing, the ceiling went all these rainbow colors, and he put on the music and started using maracas like and led everyone in a that was another dance situation for the for, it was a da- very dance filled weekend uh, correct <laughs> yes that was a, a music dance experience i believe they call it from yeah. the that's the reward it wasn't a waffle party from the show but it was a music dance experience so um and then when we left that experience uh someone in my group noticed that one of the actors had an identical twin who was also in character outside the experience uh, wearing different clothing. And so I think that was meant to represent the difference between her, uh, her Audi and her Innie, uh, which are the names for um, the different versions of your personality based on where you are, if you're inside the company or outside the company. So um, that was an, a neat little uh, uh, trick. I think they played on us because we're like, wait, you're the same person or you look like the same person, but you're not because you were just in this, in the other room, but they were wearing different clothes. I don't know. It was a neat, neat little thing they did. And I think that was all the, I think we hit almost all the main activations that they had. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was there, you think there was the, like a normal amount of activations and stuff like that? Uh, definitely as many as they've had in the past, if not more, like it definitely didn't seem like they were skimping on the activations. I mean, there weren't any on the show floor. Like sometimes you would see like ABC would have one on the show floor. I didn't, I didn't particularly see anything on the show floor as far as activations, but outside definitely there were a lot. Yeah, and I would say they were definitely well attended, especially the House of the Dragon one was right outside my hotel, and uh, people started lining up for that at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it didn't open till 10. So people were wait- waiting to sit in line for four hours for a 20-minute ex- experience where you hatch a dragon egg. And <laughs> Plus, you got, you got some nice sounds from that, too. Like, yes, uh how I knew that they were lining up at six o'clock in the morning was because I could hear them talking from my hotel room, uh, which was not fun at six o'clock in the morning. And you got the horse clapping. Yes. And so until every night until the activation was done, I had medieval sounds piped into my hotel room, basically. (laughs) So it sounded like a blacksmith or horse clip clopping or a little lute, like the playing of a flute lute kind of sound. Um, 
yeah, it was a it was a bit much, but um, <laughs> it, 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 I think it closed around six p.m. most nights, so it wasn't it wasn't terrible. But that first night, it went to like ten o'clock, I think. So, um, not the background white noise you normally want to sleep to. No, no. <laughs> and I will say the Severance. I, I think Apple TV will have learned some things from from Severance this year. E- even if you did have a reservation for Severance, that was no guarantee you were going to enter at that time. Um, I had a 9.30 reservation and I didn't even get out of the experience until 10.30 and that was the first reservation of the day. Uh, Kyle had a different experience, I think. I had like 5.30 and they didn't even let us in until 6. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was hearing that, I, I heard someone else that didn't get in, had a 2 p.m. reservation and they didn't even get in until 3.30. So, um, yeah. Uh, it w- that was probably the hardest activation to get into. They opened up the reservations at 6 a.m. And within 30 seconds, all the reservations for the day were gone easily. So that was probably the most coveted reservation, if I had to guess, for the activations. And for, for good reason, it was probably the best content as well. All right. Well, Kyle, you mentioned there wasn't any sort of activations on the show floor. What did you see on the convention floor? So we literally spent probably 30 minutes of the entire time on the show floor on preview night because we basically went in between our two activations to the show floor. Um, But this year there wasn't any Warner Brothers, Stars, TBS, BBC uh, booths. So there were a lot less TV related things. So we just basically whizzed through the floor. Um, We made a quick stop at the clerk's reboot, <laughs> pun intended, uh-huh. um, where they had like, uh, it basically looked like a quick stop and they were giving out like free shopping bags. And we got like a clerk's three poster. Uh, we also got the, the normal poster tube at the Hulu booth, what used to be the Fox TV booth. Um, and then we saw that Netflix and Paramount had photo ops, but those lines were like way too long and we had to get to our, our, House of the Dragon thing, so we skipped those. Um, Netflix also had something where you could like text and then get on a line, and they would tell you when it was your turn. But I got a message at like eleven o'clock at night saying, "Sorry, we never got to your turn." So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that wasn't really useful. Uh, and then HBO Max. Like, also, uh, I'm pretty sure I knew that already. Thank you. Yeah. I, well, I went back after the House of the Dragon thing, and it said I was 14th, and the woman said, "No, that doesn't really say anything." There are 400 people that all signed up at the same time. That was a problem <laughs> for things. So I figured oh I wasn't. I didn't stick around. I figured I wasn't going to get to go. I mean, HBO Max had a very minimal booth that was just basically you walk up and they would airdrop prizes to the people in line. But by the time we got there, there was already aligned to the back of the building so we we skipped that one as well uh what didn't have a line though was spongebob and patrick so we made sure we got our photos at the nickelodeon booth with them yeah that was Uh, great but that's that was pretty much all i think we did can you remember anything else that we did uh, yes, I, I will say I was. Um, there's a particular sock company I'm enamored with, so I was very pleased to see their presence on the floor. However, they were only selling Star Trek branded socks or Star Wars branded socks, I should say. So that uh, made me a little unhappy because I already have enough Star Wars socks. So um, yeah, I didn't I didn't buy anything, but uh, I was excited to see that 
I was hoping there would be another booth that wasn't Star Wars, but there wasn't. Um, There was also a Lego Nintendo booth, which apparently had a 14-foot-tall Bowser uh, made out of Lego. That was uh, quite something to see. Um, We didn't see it, but I... Or I think we might have seen it, but I just never noticed it or took a picture of it passing. But I heard a lot about it afterwards. So... Yeah, that was it for, I think, the convention floor. All right. So uh, then in the evenings, what uh, any any good parties or anything that you uh, you attended? So, so before we get to the big one, that is probably both our favorites. I'll mention there was a paper girl screening. So what they did for that was um, at this rooftop theater, they had like um, Adirondack chairs out for people to sit on. And basically they showed like the first three episodes of the series uh, but since we were there as press, like Amory and I went together to that, uh, we got to go in this nice VIP section where we, we could order drinks and food from there and not have to wait in the normal line to use our, our free drink <laughs> ticket nice. and our free food ticket. So we had a waiter that we were ordering our, she ordered pretzel, I ordered wings, and then we both ordered charcuterie platters to go for the movies. But on the seats, what we got once we get, they had all assigned seats for the movie, so we weren't sitting together. But they had um, on each chair, they had a box of popcorn and then like a bag with like a uh, a fake newspaper uh, from one that you'll see in the show, and then also a, a poster tube with like a rolled up poster that looked like a newspaper, and then um, a whole bunch of random like eighties kind of candy like razzles and pixie sticks and uh, nerds and things like that um but i mean it was it was a nice event that they held it was nice and cool up on the um on the rooftop deck to watch the the three episodes of the first three episodes of the show but Mm -hmm. the main party that we that we went to you want to start off paul with that yes it was the star (laughs) trek party uh that was for press and vips uh, it was at the Star Trek 10 Forward experience on um, right in downtown in the gas lamp in, in San Diego, uh, which is an experience that you can you can buy into. I think it was $50 or $100 if for for uh, a higher end experience. Um, but basically, it was a, there was an outdoor section with some photo ops and some um, ice cream that you could have. And then there was an indoor experience, which was more of a, a bar kind of vibe and they had uh, food uh, being passed around in there as well. I believe if you were attending it not for a party, you would, could, could order off a menu and get some food as well as part of included as part of the experience. Um, but we were there for a party. So uh, the casts were there. So that was really fun. Some of the cast from Lower Decks from Stranger Worlds and uh, no one from Picard was there that I could see. The Orville see. was there. Yeah, there were, yeah, that's right. Some of the people from the Orville were there, but there is a crossover there with Penny Johnson Gerald being in both Star Trek Deep Space Nine and the Orville. So there is a crossover. So um, yeah, but it was it was great. You could take your photos with some of the cast members, and there was an illustrator who would illustrate, do a caricature of like drawing of you um, in a start like a Star Trek uniform or with like Vulcan ears or with like tricorders or phasers or whatever. So I did that experience and that was kind of fun. Um, and then there was, there was like a lovely gift bag containing uh, a hoodie and a t-shirt and um, a hat. And then I also had bought a few other things from the merch stand as well that weren't in the gift bag. Um, 
but no, that was, I think, the highlight of my entire Comic-Con, actually, probably, was this party, just because just mingling with uh, the new Spock, Ethan Peck, and Jack Quaid, uh, who is Boimler in Lower Decks, and Huey from The Boys. Um, so, yeah, that was, it was really fun. Yeah, it, we, we may or may not have stocked so many celebs to get our photos, but uh, <laughs> but... They were very nice about it. If if they if we were stalking, they didn't know it because yeah. they were uh, very polite and uh, very nice. Yeah, it was pretty nice, and it was pointed out to me that the reason that they were there was for that very purpose as well, right? Like, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I I, I liked it. It was it was a fun experience, um, definitely, and I'm glad I got to do it. Um, yeah. So that was it, I think, for the best parties. But you, you, Kyle, you said you attended the fandom party as well? Yeah, the fandom party was so awful and boring. It was at Float, which was where WB had their party last year. But we basically went up to the party. They had barely any food. I mean, they had plenty of free drinks if you wanted that. Um, There was like one little photo op thing and they had a DJ and stuff. But I think we spent maybe like 10, 15 minutes there. It wasn't... uh, the Paramount party was leaps and bounds better than uh, better than that party. Right. So I think that was it for the the parties we attended. All right. So uh, moving on from the parties, uh, what if anything, any uh, TV news or anything that was announced there that uh, you were excited to see or. For, for me, it was definitely the news that Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Strange New Worlds are going to have a crossover. You saw my um, news. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I can't wait to see the live-action version of Boiler and... and um, Mariner. Can't What's her name? Beckett Mariner, I think. Yeah, Mariner. Yeah. Uh, the two of those characters on Strange New Worlds. Uh, that won't happen until next year, though. It's the second season, but... That that was the main thing I was most excited for, and then also that for all mankind is getting a fourth season because uh, I had just gotten caught up on that before the convention. Right, and they mentioned that for all mankind is going into the into the two thousands, which is following the trend of every te- every season is uh, a decade later. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But I, I think my favorite TV news, which um, was probably. I, well, it's not just TV news, but the film news, like all the Marvel announcements uh, where Kevin Feige laid out basically all of Marvel phase four or five and six until the end of 2025. Um, just laying out all the films that are coming out and the series that are coming out. Apparently, Loki is already in season two production right now. And um, She-Hulk, I believe, is is finished production, I believe. Um, and it's coming out shortly. Um and then, yeah, I guess the big announcement there was that Phase 6, Phase 4, 5, and 6 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is called the Multiverse Saga, officially, that's the title of it. And it's ending in 2015 with uh, two Avengers films, um, six months apart. Um, and they also confirmed a Fantastic Four movie, and uh, they also confirmed a new Daredevil series starring Charlie Cox, uh, bringing that back from the old Marvel Netflix, uh, Marvel TV uh, universe so they're going to do another daredevil series 
Um, no mention of any of the other Marvel TV characters, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make cameos in, in, Devio, uh, in Daredevil. Sorry. Yeah, that's the... I mean, it kind of had heard that was, you know, going to be happening, but to, to see that it's actually happening, that, I think uh, Daredevil was, of all of those, was the probably my favorite of the the Netflix uh, shows that they did. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it was great. I, I've never seen so many people lose their mind at like a spread like what was effectively like a line chart of movies <laughs> and people just like losing losing their minds uh just like screaming and jumping out of their seats to say that there's an avengers movie coming out in 2025 like i've never seen so many exci- so much excitement over something being announced that isn't even happening for like three three years or so um so yeah, that was that was an experience. That was that was my first Marvel panel in Hall H. So um, yeah, I wasn't I I wasn't I didn't know what to expect, and uh, that was filled with Marvel fans. So that was uh, pretty interesting to see. All right, so there's always some uh, weirdness or things <laughs> happening around the con. What was the either best or weirdest strangest thing you saw while roaming around in terms of like cosplay just anything just anything that you saw or just uh that would would almost even be odd for comic-con sometimes (laughs) you never know like uh or just you know the strangest costume or you know some sort of uh get up that you know where i've seen some things where people just come up with some of the weirdest mashups of costumes and and uh things like that um i did see a photo i didn't see it in person but i saw a photo of it afterwards and it was if you watch the boys there's a character called the deep um who um has well i don't know how to say this (laughs) has 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 relations sometimes with some of his uh aquatic life that he can speak to so there was a costume where um there was an octopus wrapped around his waist, um, which was kind of funny to see. <laughs> I, um, so they I had that. A, I did see a Boba Fett that was like dressed in like a Starbucks Boba drink cup, oh. uh, like a giant like drink for a Boba tea drink that was, uh, and he had a Boba Fett hat on. Uh, the one thing that surprised me was the sheer number of people who dressed as Rakakuni from everything everywhere all at once which is basically like their parody of ratatouille with a raccoon on top of a chef's head um there were so many of those i saw at least a dozen people dressed like that which i was surprised i didn't see any sausage fingers but i did see plenty of the Rakakuni. right uh one thing i did get a chuckle at was in my um in my experience for Severance, a, a guy had a T-shirt that simply said "Defiant Jazz" on it, which was one of the music genres you could pick for your music uh, dance experience in the show. So I thought that was like a funny T-shirt, such a, a very specific random reference to the TV show that I barely remembered myself. Um, it, it was only in the context of being in the Severance activation that I would have understood. Uh, what defiant <laughs> jazz meant if i if i had seen that on the floor i would have been like that's a 
a weird shirt. But because I saw it at the severance activation, I was like, oh, okay, yes, that's what that's referencing. Um, but I love I I love the cosplay where, especially at Comic Con, you could only tell like sometimes only like 20% of the time who they're dressed as like most of the time you have no idea it's <laughs> you know from some obscure comic book or, or something like that um I, I love that about comic-con where you just have no idea there's so much uh pop culture out there that we're just not exposed to that people are huge fans of that you get to see them dress as it's fun to see all right well uh you're talking about uh, t-shirts, so what's the uh, best either thing that you bought or thing that you got uh, as swag while you were there? Um, okay, well, I mean... Because you had I, quite the haul, Paul. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I, did, I did take a photo of all the swag after. I did get quite a bit. Um, the, the first thing I think that, was, that comes to mind that is new for me, um, which is I attended that Funko Pop panel, so I got my first ever two Funkos, and one of them is a limited edition Freddy Funko, who I later found out is the mascot of Funko, and he's dressed as a Comic-Con goer with poster tubes and a little Comic-Con backpack, and it says <laughs> Hall H on it, and he has a little Comic-Con logo on his shirt, I think, and um, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool souvenir, actually. Uh, even if you don't collect Funkos, I was like, oh, this is actually a really cool memento of Comic-Con in particular. Um, so that was... Uh, and then the other one I got was like a Demogorgon, a glow-in-the-dark Demogorgon Funko Pop from Stranger Things. But, um, I, I, you know, that doesn't mean as much to me. Uh, I, the thing that means much more to me is the, the figurine of someone going to Comic-Con. I think that was kind of fun. Uh, so that's probably the best piece of swag that I got. Yeah, for, you, Kyle? for me, I um, I got the same two Funkos as him, but um, the the thing I really liked was at Ghost they gave us a nice um, like blue speckled camp mug with the Ghost logo on it, and that uh, looked really nice and nice and solid. Uh, I'll definitely be using that. Um, I don't know how much I'll need my Abbott step bag, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and then uh, like the whole bag full of like the giant bag full of swag at the Paramount party was pretty uh, Paramount Plus party was was pretty nice as well. Yes, it was pretty good. The sizes are a little on the on the snug side, I'll have to say. But um, yeah, I really liked all that stuff. Um, I did buy a few extra things at the Star Trek Paramount Plus party as well. I got a Star Trek cocktail book. Um, and a blank Spock journal, the, the many and the one, which is uh, the, his journal. Um, so, yeah. All right. And my favorite question. What's the best thing you ate while you were there? Hashtag <laughs> half the peppers, Kyle. <laughs> I forgot all of that, that we that we went there to eat the build your own nachos. That was very good and filling. Um, no, but Amory did bring some of her bake by Amory cookies with her. Ah, there so you go. Th those were good. And then at the at the paper girls party, they also had ice sugar cookies. So when I bit into that, I'm like, mm, this is the best cookie I've ever had. <laughs> Just to see her reaction. She started laughing and said she knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, but I, I made sure that uh, that I over exaggerated that. Um, the parent party did have some really good bruschetta that they were handing out. Um, 
And then um, the pizza at the airport was actually really good, maybe because <laughs> it was like some of the first food I've had in days, like real food. Um, yeah. The, the one thing that's challenging about Comic-Con for sure is just being able to find time to eat at, at like a full meal. Like you just don't have the time. Um, you just don't have time to sit down. I think there was one night where we had dinner with Amory and we, that was at Blind Burrow and we had Mexican food. Um, I don't think Kyle had anything to eat, but I had. No, my blood sugar was sky high, so I held off eating, but yeah. Too many, too many sugar cookies. Um, but I had queso and tacos, and it was great. Um, I will say also the cocktails at the, at the Paramount Plus party, the Star Trek party, were great. I had Romulan ale with blue curd sow in it, and it was delicious. I did have that. I, I found it amusing. We were at the Star Trek party. The guy next to me says i'll have the pickard and like it was the picard drink but he ordered it as the pickard and he obviously has never seen meanwhile later we saw this guy he had access to where all like the celebrities were he was he had access over to their section so this guy had something to do with the production or something (laughs) but he didn't know how to pronounce picard (laughs) yeah that that's that's shameful. Uh, all right. So lastly, uh, any other fun things worth mentioning, which is where I say, Paul, how is your Hall H uh, line standing? Uh, yeah. So I made the conscious decision going into this Comic-Con to do the Hall H Saturday experience, which I had never done before. Um, I had always found myself in Ballroom 20 or in other rooms on Saturday at Comic-Con. So I had never done the DC and the Marvel panels and all that kind of thing. So um, they, they're still operating this wristband system where you wait in line the day before to get a wristband, which once you get the wristband at towards the end of the night, uh, it guarantees that you can come back in the morning, go to bed, come back in the morning and, um, get have a spot in line so it guarantees you entry to hull h on uh, in the morning on on the saturday so but what happens now is people uh because people want to get these wristbands people start camping out for their wristbands like 24 hours before they start handing out the wristbands so um what people do because the rules say that you can save a spot for up to five other people so yourself and five other people. So what what I found on Reddit and other social media is that people form line groups where you take turns holding spots in line for people. And I believe this is encouraged by Comic-Con because why would they have this save a spot for five people rule otherwise? But I, I found a, a group on Reddit and I joined this line group and they assigned me the shift of Friday morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., and um, I waited in line for the three hours, and then someone came and took over for me, and I showed up later that night, and sure enough, we were all there, all, I think there was probably 25 of us. Um, we all got our wristbands. Now, we had started the line group at something like 4 a.m. Friday morning. Um, we all showed up. That was the instruction that the organizer had given us to, to, to make our numbers known. To, if, if all 25 of us show up, at the beginning of the line, it's quite clear that, you know, there's 25 people here. So it's not a big surprise that later on 
that day when 25 people show up, you know, we're all accounted for. So um, we weren't that far back. We were probably only, I don't know if I had to guess, like 50 feet, maybe 60 feet back from the front of the line when we showed up at 4 a.m. But by the time the line shift and everything, by the later that night, by the time the line moves, there was easily 3,000 people in front of us. <laughs> later that night so i don't know what was going on but um what they do is they hand out these wristbands in groups a through d and even though we were there at 4 a.m we still only got a c wristband which means we were in the latter half of the population of the room right which was we were in the the last 3,000 people rather than the front 3,000 people so yeah, that was kind of a surprise, but I, you know, I made a lot of new friends in that group and we had a lot of fun chats and um, they were all very jealous when I sent them a picture of uh, my picture with uh, Jack Quaid um, because that was their, a lot of them were staying around for the Star Trek panel just to see Jack Quaid because they liked him from the boys. They didn't even care about Star Trek, but they just wanted to, to see him in, in, in just to see him in a panel. So that was kind of funny. And it was, you know, funny that I got to meet him later that night as well. But um, yeah, it was the Hall H experience. It was fun. Um, when you do it in a, in a line group like that, where I was only responsible for a three hour shift, uh, it's quite manageable. And the organizer went out of his way to make sure that, um, our shifts were at times when uh, we didn't have anything better going on. Between 7 and 10 in the morning, there wasn't any panels or anything like that anyway. So um, I basically left my line shift and and walked right um, uh, to, to see Kyle. And we met and we did something right at 10 o'clock. What did we do? I can't remember. But um, yeah, it, was, it, wor- it worked out well. And I got into Hull H right first thing in the morning. And yeah, it was it was great. I, you know, met a lot of friends and... Um, I, I think I might, I would do it again, um, just for the hype. The, the one thing I will say is I wish they, they organized, I wish they spread out the programming a little bit in Hall H, uh, like they did, they, like they used to do for the Twilight films. They used to make Twilight be Thursday morning first thing to get all the campers out of the way. I wish they did something like that for the Marvel panel, maybe make Marvel the first panel of the day in Hall H so that when it comes time for the Sandman and the Star Trek after the real fans of those uh, properties can get into Hall H. That didn't seem to happen too much this year because uh, the room was full of Marvel fans, right? So um, it would have been a, a little more exciting if there were more Star Trek fans in the audience or a little more Sandman fans in the audience um, for those panels. But just because of the the Marvel being the end of the day, uh, that wasn't possible. How about you, Kyle? Anything else? Uh... I couldn't come up with anything, any other stories or anything that uh, that was worth mentioning. Oh. All right. Uh, well, that'll, I think, uh, that'll kind of wrap it up. I spent the four days watching uh, all of Paul and Kyle's and Amory's and everybody else's pictures come through of... Uh, of what they were seeing and doing and, uh, and also spent that time looking at pictures of stuff that I had done in past comic cons. Cause starting about like July 7th, my photo history and, and, and like Facebook history and all of those keep popping up and it's just nothing but photos from comic cons past. So, well, every year uh, I see my photo of 
the Captain Kirk shoeshine booth, <laughs> and he was back again this year with his with his pal dressed as Spock, who was getting his shoes, his boot shine. So they they seem to be there every year. They're back. That's how you knew Comic Con was back. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> back. Uh, well, all right. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, uh, Paul, enjoy your uh, little bit of press experience? Uh, it was great. Uh, it definitely opened uh, more doors than I am used to having open for me. Um, I was able to get early access to... Wait, it opened the, the door to Mordor? <laughs> more doors, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it definitely it definitely allowed me to get into the activations a bit earlier, as well as some of the panels. Um, I was able to 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 score some panel passes, um, so I was able to get early access into those rooms, uh, into the panels, I should say. And uh, I I think the times when it was a little more dead for Hall H, they allowed press people without passes to get into the press line. Um, which I, I think when Hall H is busier, they tend to be a little more picky about uh, do you have a panel pass or not uh, to come into Hall H. Uh, otherwise, the line would have been at least an hour long. So that was nice that um, you can just kind of try to do that and they let you in. Um, so, yeah, uh, overall, it was great. I think I'm going to be starting my own uh, outlet here called How to Watch TV so I can do it again next year. Yeah, the FX definitely was an advantage. Like, they had a separate press line. I These people had probably been in line for hours. I walk up at 11 o'clock right when it's about to open. I'm the only person in the press line. They let me join the first group going in. And it was so nice to be able to, to skip that and, and be able to do that. Otherwise, I would have just skipped that activation if I had had to, to wait. Right. Sorry, go ahead. It's one of those things that, uh, like, you know, there's been activations every year. And I'm like, it wasn't until, like, the last, I don't know, maybe, like, three years of that really were like, oh, wait, there's press access to some of these? And then I was wondering, like, did is this something that I'm just noticing now because they're just starting to do it? Or have they been doing this all along and I could have got into some of these activations? Because uh, when you're covering stuff like press rooms or, or going to panels like the rest of the day, there's no time to go uh, into any of those things unless you can get, you know, the the preview night access to them or, or you know, the, the first thing of the day access or something like that. Or Dungeons and Dragons, we got tickets for that like at 7.30 p.m. So, I mean, that's not going to yeah. conflict with anything. So that wasn't... Right. Um, but it was definitely an advantage, sure. And uh, the Gray Man activation was definitely sort of like a, a little bit of a cocktail party vibe at the end of it for the press preview, uh, which was nice. But we were the third group through, I think, the, the activation. So we didn't stick around too long because... We had other things to do later on that preview night, but Amory, I think what happened was the, the activation broke down and Amory was further back in line and um, she had to bail because uh, they had been waiting in line for 40 minutes to get through and something had gone wrong. I guess it was the teething problems. It was the first time people had been through. Uh, yeah, the definitely, yeah, it wasn't quite working correctly for us either. And we were like the third group through. Yeah, so... Um, 
but overall, yeah, I definitely want to uh, start attend Comic Con next year with press access uh, and try uh, try to get into more things that I can. All right. That'll do it for our Comic-Con 2022 uh, discussion. And uh, as always, you can find uh, links to where you can uh, contact all three of us uh, in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 430. And uh, once again, thank you, Kyle and Paul, for uh, joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being a hat. It's right, been we'll nine see. months and you still use the same <laughs> <joke>. <laughs>